Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Gomes. And I'm Anna Cash. Here, we come together to bring you a podcast all about preserving food safely, easily, and dare I say perfectly at home. We are master food preservers, moms, wives, and we love talking about canning. We've decided the world needs a podcast that shares up-to-date, modern, safe information about canning, dehydrating, freezing, freeze-drying, and more. We answer listener questions, teach beginner and intermediate techniques, and share our very best tips for preserving successfully. We'll show you how to find trusted recipes, sources, and more so you never have to second-guess your preserving practices again. Ready to can like a master preserver? Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I am your host, Anna, and I'm here with Jenny, and we are going to be talking about all things salsa today. Tomato products are the number one canned product in the United States, and salsa ranks right up there. Everyone wants a good salsa recipe. Maybe they've tried a lot of different salsa recipes, and none of them have been very good. i Honestly, right now, I'm fielding a lot of salsa questions. What about you, Jenny? Are you getting a lot of salsa questions right now? I think the absence of questions makes me a little concerned because a lot of people think that tomatoes are really high in acid, which is a reasonable thing to think because there's a lot of foods that we enjoy that have tomatoes in them that makes like that that has digestive effects that makes us think that they're full of acid. And tomatoes are not. They are actually very close to being too alkaline to water bath can. So the important or most important thing I think about salsa recipes is that an approved canning recipe for salsa will have an acidifying ingredient like citric acid or maybe lemon juice or maybe vinegar to bring those almost too alkaline tomatoes into a safe pH zone. And then the other part that's really important to know about salsa is the delicious ingredients that we love so much, garlic and onions. Those things are low acid as well. So I know I get a lot of questions about like, or I have heard questions like, how long do I process? This is how it usually goes. How long do I process my salsa for? And I say, what does the canning recipe say? And they're like, oh, I just use my own recipe. And it's like, well, okay, let's back up <laughs> because that's that's going to be a problem probably. <laughs> so anyway, Anna and I are going to dive in and give you all of our best tips for canning great, safe, shelf-stable salsa. Yeah. So like Jenny said, I, I actually get a lot of these questions too that are like, well, you know, what if I want to make up my own salsa recipe? What if, you know, I want to add hot peppers, take away hot peppers. So let's just talk about a general overview of like what makes a safe salsa canning recipe. And always first and foremost is going to be a trusted safe recipe from a food science lab that has done the work or a recipe that has been approved through maybe your local extension office or, you know, something like that. Uh, We always, since it is right on the line of safe and unsafe pH with all of those delicious low acid ingredients, like Jenny said, the Mm -hmm. garlic, the onions, the peppers, the hot peppers, all of that, you really have to be mindful of using a safe, trusted, tested recipe. 
So when I'm looking for a recipe for anything canning related, I Google cooperative extension salsa recipe, cooperative extension blueberry jam recipe, cooperative. I Google those search terms together and then I look at the cooperative extension recipe websites. I mean, they have a recipe for dang near anything. I haven't, I haven't been let down, I don't think yet, in terms of what types of recipes I can find. And <laughs> what's really nice about them is they, like I just had someone today ask me for a safe pie filling recipe. So I just quickly Googled, you know, because it's a, t- uh, a digital message, right? So it would be easy for me to have it on my phone and then just send it. I just, cooperative extension, pie filling recipe. And the page had a recipe for every type of pie filling you could make. You know, it just is a very handy way to find a recipe that you can feel really confident in. Yeah. And I love that suggestion. I just did it last week with choke cherry jelly. It's not in so easy to preserve my ball book or my USDA guide book. Mm -hmm. So I did the same thing. And luckily there was, I, I believe it was in uh, University of Wisconsin or Minnesota, they had a choke cherry recipe for jelly. Perfect. You know, it is very regional. There are certain things like we're going to be talking about salsa. And I know that the uh, New Mexico Extension Office has lots of recipes for Ooh. like hatch chilies and like really regional foods. So make sure that you, you know, are, are taking this to heart, that you are looking up a cooperative extension and then the recipe for whatever you're trying to do you might get some really great regional recipes that have been tested through local extension offices. What a great tip. I didn't even think of that. That's a that's a great, great point. And off of that, there's lots of more regional fruits, berries that are not as common, you know, not available in every grocery store in America. So if you need a recipe for you know, any type of maybe lesser known fruit or vegetable, search a local, like your own state, for example, their cooperative extension, because they will be the ones that have a recipe for that particular type of berry or that vegetable product. Right. Okay. So Jenny, um, tell us like what maybe your favorite salsa recipes are that have been tested. Um, I have a couple, but I want to hear yours first. Okay. So my husband does not love canned salsa, the tomato canned salsas that I have made, and I have tried several recipes. I think they all work good, but he really loves a fresh salsa, like tomatoes that we just chopped up. And I think that sometimes people go on this search of like the best canning recipe for salsa when really, it's just like the cucumber pickle conundrum. When you really want that crisp, fresh, crisp uh, product, (laughs) Canning may not yield it, no matter what the recipe is, no matter what additives you put in, okay? So the salsa that I love to make is salsa verde, and I love the recipe, and I've made it many times, the recipe in canning for a new generation for salsa verde, and it's made with tomatillos, and they are, they're green, and they have a papery husk on them. I think they're weird and wild and awesome. But just to give you an idea, if you've never made it, it calls for three and a half pounds of tomatillos, a medium white onion, two ounces of serrano chilies, five cloves of garlic, some fresh cilantro, lime juice, and salt. And that I have found to be, one, an awesome salsa for just chips and salsa. Like, just eating it canned is delicious. But also, it's so good for cooking with. 
for enchiladas, for, I know I, I felt like, oh, should I use this whole jar to do this? But I've marinated meat in it. And it was good. It was really good. That the lime juice, I think, is is very powerful and very tasty. And I that's my favorite. That's my recommendation. If you really want a very fresh tasting tomato salsa, try a green salsa and you'll be floored. Yeah. I love a good salsa verde. I love like putting chunks of pork in there and simmering it in the crock pot all day. It just tastes so Ah, good point. It's just great. I want to interject one more. The one tomato salsa recipe that I would make again is a roasted tomato salsa. I feel like the roasted flavor is really delicious. And I think when you taste a roasted salsa, you're not expecting that fresh texture and flavor. And that is another great option as well. And roasting doesn't change the acid of the ingredients in the salsa recipe. So you could take an approved salsa recipe and roast the peppers, roast the tomatoes, roast whatever the ingredients are. And it just changes the flavor profile and changes the texture. So you're, it's kind of, I think it's more like you're expecting it to be softer and that can be really delicious as well. That's a great point. I love that because roasting does change that flavor. It gives it like more of a chipotle flavor. If you're using like jalapenos or peppers or whatever, like the flavor's just so good in a roasted mm-hmm. salsa. Delish. So I think we've talked about this before, but my family loves this cooked tomato salsa that I make. It's I got it approved through my local extension office because my friend was like, this is the best tomato salsa recipe ever. It's actually in my all things tomato course, mm. but it's my family loves it. And I'm kind of sick of it by this point. Like it's been (laughs) what, like 10 years that I've been making it. And so last year I ended up making the jalapeno salsa out of the ball cookbook Mm -hmm. or canning book. And I loved that one. It's a little bit more fresh tasting. You don't cook it as long Mm -hmm. and it's just got a really nice flavor. We also have listed fruit salsas. Those can be really nice, like a mango salsa, a peach salsa, I think a nectarine I've done before. That's really good. So I just want to mention about fruit salsas. That's another recipe that you want to be especially cautious of. Make sure that you're choosing a canning recipe from a trusted source. Again, because (laughs) because the ingredients that make salsa so good, the onions, the garlic, those are low acid. So just because it has some peaches in there doesn't mean that you should just make up your own recipe. I think all fruits also recipes are going to call for the addition of citric acid, probably, if not lemon juice or lime juice or vinegar. So just don't make up your fruit salsa recipe either. So I tend to like things a little bit spicier. And sometimes people will say, oh, like, what do I do if I've made my salsa and I'm getting ready to can it and I taste it and it's not spicy enough? Mm. So for me, I absolutely love using hot powders, like hot pepper powders. That doesn't change the pH of a salsa. You can just sprinkle that in. I personally love the Samoran Spice Company. They're great. They're out of Arizona, I believe. And yeah, I got the super hot, so you don't have to do that. But I got like Carolina Reaper, Ghost Pepper, and Scorpion. (laughs) Holy moly. (laughs) For some pepper jellies I was working on. And just a little bit of ghost pepper powder 
like really wakes up a big pot of salsa. So that's something to keep in mind if you're like, oh, it's just not spicy enough. That's a great tip, Anna. One thing that we wanted to mention, especially for our gardeners and or people getting homegrown produce, especially this time of year, this episode will be live, I think, on the 4th of October. But when tomatoes are left on the vine and it freezes, it lowers the pH even more and it causes those tomatoes to be really, really not safe for canning. So if you are expecting a freeze, pick your green tomatoes and let them ripen inside, and then they'll have the appropriate expected level of acidity. But just definitely don't use ones that were picked from a a dead or frozen vine. Right. And I've even seen gardeners who will pull the entire stock, the entire tomato stock, hang it upside down in their garage Mm. just to kind of keep it on the vine. But... I mean, it's not like it's growing. It's not like the vine is like giving it life. I think it's just sometimes easier to pull the whole thing than it is to pull 10 tomatoes off each vine. So that's an option as well. You just you just don't want to use or can any of those tomatoes after they've had a frost. Uh, perfect. What about freezing salsa, Anna? What What can we tell our listeners about freezing it? Yeah, this is like the perfect alternative for people who want to be creative. Maybe they don't want to follow a recipe. They love the taste of fresher salsa rather than a cooked salsa. I've seen people who will freeze pico de gallo and pull it out. You know, it's it's just a way to avoid like the threat of botulism or adding flavors that you don't really love. Like maybe you don't want any acidifying agents. You don't want lemon juice, lime juice, citric acid, or cider vinegar, like you just want the flavors of the fruits and vegetables. So that's one reason why people might freeze their salsa. And then the other is just to avoid trying to find a tested recipe. Right. That's a great point. So yeah, let's say that you make your salsa and then realize, uh, uh oh, or you have a friend ask you, that's happened, right? Someone's like, oh, wait a minute, so-and-so, they listen to this podcast, maybe they know. Yes. If someone has a batch of salsa that's just that's just good salsa, but not a canning recipe, freezing is a great choice, great option. And actually, the wide mouth pint jars by Ball have a freeze line. I would ladle them into that and go to the freeze line, or if not a touch before, and you can use a used canning lid, just put the lid on it, and you can freeze it that way. I love that. What a great idea. So yeah, I mean, there's definitely ways around the salsa issue. If you don't, if you want to be more creative, you can freeze it. If you're looking for a good tested recipe, we kind of talked about some ways to find one. But more than anything, it's so, I think what's so amazing this time of year is that most people have like an overabundance of tomatoes. They want to share. They want to get rid of these tomatoes. And it's your perfect opportunity to be putting up garden fresh tomatoes so you can enjoy them all winter. It's one of my very favorite things to eat during the winter. Mm. So we had one other little point to this episode that we wanted to cover. We also get questions about How do I know if the recipe that maybe it says it's a canning recipe, like an older recipe or a recipe that so-and-so is always canned with, how do I know if it's safe? So you can figure that out. It takes a little bit of math, but you would compare it and its ratios. That means if it calls for, you know, five pounds of tomatoes, then the other recipe, you'd have to 
see if it has that same amount of tomatoes or, you know, double that old recipe so that the numbers are aligned, right? So you would look for the ratio of all the ingredients. Look at it as a whole, not just the tomatoes, but you got to look at the amount of onions, the amount of peppers, the amount of everything. And let's say the ratios are all exactly right, but the new recipe has you add citric acid, then absolutely you would add the citric acid. And I wanted to make a, a mention about the citric acid. I think some people uh, have a desire to like, I don't know, not add something or like not change the flavor, but the amounts that you have to add are really small. And I don't think that you would notice the taste difference. And if the trade-off is, and the trade-off is absolutely a safe canning recipe, that seems certainly worth it to me. Right. Yep. Couldn't agree more. I think it's, it's just not worth it. I don't know. I was, um, (laughs) yeah, it's not, I was typing up some notes from our siphoning episode last week and it was just like, I just don't get it. Like why, why would people maybe test it? You know, like, I I don't know, but maybe I'm just more of a cautious person, but botulism does not fun to me. Well, right. Right. Anna, you mentioned your tomato course a few minutes ago in the episode. Where can our listeners find your tomato course? And is there a coupon code just for our listeners? So yes, you can find my course at smarthomecanning.com. And near the bottom of that initial screen, we'll talk about my courses. There is a special code for our podcast listeners. It's pod 25 and you can get 25% off of the full course, which is $127. You can buy individually the Tomato Basics mini course. And I talk about my favorite salsa recipe and then also about canning tomatoes like crushed tomatoes because it's one of the most versatile things for your pantry. So those are the two offerings that I have. I absolutely loved making these courses. They're so much fun. At the end of each mini course, there's also a blooper reel, (laughs) which there were a lot of bloopers. (laughs) So you can check that out. (laughs) It's so bad. Anyway, so that's what I offer as far as courses go. What about you, Jenny? Do you have a tomatoes class or ebook or something? You know what I think would be useful for everybody that's listening to this episode? I have on my blog a free download and it's called, it's an acid and canning chart. So we talked a lot about acid in this episode and how the proper acid level makes for a safe water bath canning recipe. And you can just go to the domesticwildflower.com and in the search bar, type in acid and canning. And I think it's the first blog post that comes up, but it's a free download and it's on one page and it has all the food products that you might want to can. And they're just separated by the magical number of 4.6 pH. And I think it's just handy to have. You could print it off and stick it in the front of your canning book or inside your cupboard and just refer to it to remind yourself like, oh, okay, so tomatoes are this much or lemons, are th- those are really acid. And raspberries, well, they're way more acid than tomatoes. So yeah, I think that could be useful for our listeners too. Yeah, that's perfect. And that handout is so beautiful. I printed it out and put it in my kitchen and it's inside my cupboard. You're too good to me. (laughs) Thanks for a great episode, Anna. Yeah, that was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And we look forward to talking with you next week. That's our show. We don't want you to miss an episode. So please be sure to subscribe. If you found this episode helpful and informative, please give our show a rating and review. 
It only takes a few seconds and it really helps our show grow. Follow us on social media at Smart Home Canning and at The Domestic Wildflower. Email your preserving questions to perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer your questions on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode released every week.